Welcome into the Flat Rock Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Christian Hunt. And on today's episode, we're going to be taking a look at the top offenses in college football. Now, guys, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe in order to really help the channel out. And with all that out of the way, let's get into it. Welcome to the Flat Rock Sports Podcast, your daily source for all things college football. And now your host, Christian Hunt. I wanted to go back and take a look at who has the best offenses in college football, right? We've already done our top 25 show, and you can go back and check that out. But really, the biggest thing here I wanted to do was I wanted to see who had the best offenses in college football going forward, right? That doesn't necessarily mean who's going to be the best team or have the best records, but who's got the best production coming back, as well as who's got that experience, right? You can have a, a lot of talented guys that come back throughout a lot of this, but what you really want to have in college football is you want to have that production. If I've got a guy that went out and put up 4,000 yards last year, I want to see that guy coming back, right, and have him back. And let's see, can we put up maybe 4,500? Can we put up 5,000 yards this year, right? So with all that out of the way, let's start getting into this, right? So first up, I've got Wake Forest, okay? Now, I put Wake Forest on this list because they're bringing back four starters on the offensive line. Now, they're also getting quarterback Sam How or Sam Hartman back, right? And he put up 4,600 yards last year to go alongside of 50 touchdown passes. He did a great job at being able <laughs> to find guys like wide receiver A.T. Perry, who had 1,300 yards and 15 touchdowns last year. They have a combo of running backs coming back that put up 1,000 yards and 12 touchdowns, right? They also finished top 10 last year in total offense and number four in scoring offense, right? So this can be a very dangerous team uh, just because, like I said, based off that premise, they're bringing a lot of experience back this year and a lot of talent too. So that's pretty good. Now, next up on the list here, I've got Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma is an interesting one because they're retooling, right? You're losing Lincoln Riley and all these other names out there, right? But man, they still bring in a lot of great pieces here, right? They've got three O linemen coming back from last year. They got another one from the transfer portal. They've got quarterback Dylan Gabriel, who I feel like I've talked about a little bit on this show, uh, if you've been listening before. All right, he transfers in from UCF, and he's put up over 8,400 yards in his career down there to go alongside of 79 touchdowns, right? The kid is a highlight machine. He's a stat machine too, right? When he's healthy, he is a top 10 quarterback all day. Now, they've got guys and they've got weapons to get him the ball to because they're going to have wide receiver Marvin Mims is going to be there. And Mims last year had a little bit, as far as statistically last year, he put up 700 yards and five touchdowns. I think he can double those numbers this year. I really do. I think you give him a quarterback with Dylan Gabriel, you give him some time to throw. I think he's going to be able to double those numbers going into this year. They have running back Eric Gray, who was a transfer from Tennessee. He put up 600 yards and four touchdowns. Uh, you know, listen, here's the thing, right? I really, really have a strong feeling, right? Eric Gray is an SEC running back. Brent Vittables, he's coming in uh, from Clemson, you know, in a hard-nosed sort of style, you know, that he likes to run because he's a defensive coordinator. He could be like Kirby at Georgia. I mean, think about the run that, you know, Georgia had with some of those running backs, right? He could completely change the game, right? Now they've got Jeff Levy as their offensive coordinator, so it'll be kind of interesting to see how they go there, right? 
Next up on the list, and this will piss off all the Oklahoma fans that I just got really hyped with, is USC, right? Now, USC had the number one transfer portal class in the country, right? They bring back four offensive linemen. But like I've said this in some of my other podcasts, their offensive line is going to be the big question mark in their offense. They have got, they have got to step up if they have any shot of winning anything significant this year, right? But they did bring in quarterback Caleb Williams, who as a true freshman last year at Oklahoma, he put up 2,300 yards and 27 touchdowns. They brought in the best wide receiver and arguably one of the best running backs, right? They brought in Jordan Addison from Pitt, who put up 1,600 yards and 18 touchdowns last year. They brought in running back Travis Dye from Oregon, who also put up 1,600 uh, yards to go alongside of 18 touchdowns, right? They had a similar uh, stat line there, right? Uh, last year, Lincoln Riley actually guided them, Oklahoma, I mean, to the number 18 total offense, right? That's his forte. He's a quarterback whisperer and an offensive guru, right? So it'll be interesting to see how quickly he can get things turned around there uh, at USC. Let's take a look here at our next team on the list. We've got Bama. Now, the Tide are going to be bringing back two starting offensive linemen. And really, the, again, the central point of this, just like USC and some of these other teams we've talked about, the Tide, the, Alabama is going to have to have a huge step up in production from their offensive line. It has got, okay, it has got to be something big for Alabama because of what they've got coming back. They've got quarterback Bryce Young coming back, okay? Last year, he won the Heisman, right? No secret there. He had 4,800 yards to go alongside of 50, 50 touchdowns, right? Now, he's losing a lot of that production from last year at the wide receiver position and running back position, but they do bring back leading uh, tight end Cameron Latu, who accounted for 400 yards and eight touchdowns. They also went out and got Jermaine Burton in the transfer portal, who is a deadly uh, slot wide receiver for him. And they also went out and got running back Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech, who put up 1,200 yards and six touchdowns last year. Alabama actually finished number seven last year in total offense. I think even though, yes, they lost some starting offensive linemen last year, I think they have an opportunity to go into this year and get even better with who they have coming back. Okay, and finally, right, and finally, we've got Ohio State. Now, what makes Ohio State my number one offense, I would say, right? Now, again, these are some of the top offense. I didn't really put them in any particular order. But if I was, Ohio State's going to be at the top of my list because last year they were number one in total offense, right? They had, they're bringing back three offensive linemen from last year, and all three of them should get drafted, right? They've got quarterback C.J. Stroud who put up 4,400 yards and 44 touchdowns last year. They're bringing back their leading wide receiver in wide receiver Jackson Smith and Nigba who put up 1,600 yards and nine touchdowns. Oh, and by the way, they're putting back a dark horse Heisman winner here, or favorite, I should say, not winner, and running back Travion Henderson. Now, Henderson put up 1,500 yards last year to go alongside of 1,900 touchdowns. If I remember right, this kid is a true freshman, right? He is a true freshman. I'll say this about Ohio State statistically, they should be one of the best teams on paper out there, right? They can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Bama. 
Now, Bama's defense is where you kind of like, eh, you know, that's to me, this is the big game at the end of the year that you want to see. You want to see Ohio State and Bama, right? And I'll explain why. Because it's going to be a fireworks show watching, you know, can, uh, you know, Ohio State's offense, can it put up big points on a, a team like Bama? Can Bama's offense, right? Can it compete with somebody like Ohio State, who's also no slouch out there on defense, right? So it's just going to be interesting to see how all this kind of plays out. Now, we got a couple of hot takes for you today, right, that I've seen sort of floating around in the Twitter, Twitter sphere. We got one here. It says Nebraska goes to a bowl game. Well, that is a pretty bold hot take, right? I think when I see this and I say, all right, you know, can Nebraska make it to a bowl game this year? Well, I went back did a little bit of research on the team under Scott Frost, and they have not even been bowl eligible since Scott Frost took over the program. I'm not trying to be a Cornhusker hater. I live in the great state of Nebraska, so I really want them to do really well. And here's the thing, right? So does everybody else here. So everybody else, you know, Scott Frost is one of those individuals where you don't want to see him fail. You want to see this guy succeed. And I completely get it, right? He's a nice guy. Uh, on paper, you know, again, we've talked about them and we've done a hot seat rating on him. He should be one of, you know, he should be leading this team back into contention. But I don't think Nebraska goes to a bowl game. Uh, I think last year would they finish three and nine. I think this year they maybe finish, man, five and seven, right? Six and six, best case. Well, if they finish six and six, they would be eligible for a bowl game, right? I think they're going to finish five and seven this year, right? I think they miss out on the bowl game. I think it's, it's Frosty's last year uh, with the Big Red, and I think it's a heartbreaking thing all the way around, but it's time. Now, Jay, now here's another hot take we're going to get into, right? we got another one to, to break down here. JT Daniels stays healthy for the entire year. I think he does. I think JT Daniels will stay healthy for the entire year. Look, I think he got... I think he got really banged up his freshman year, at, or not his freshman year, but it's going into a sophomore year at USC. I think that started playing with him a little bit up here. Took him a while to come back. He transfers to Georgia. He's cleared to go. He's not cleared to go. There's all this sort of stuff in mystery and shroud here, you know, and it's like, well, you know, he's ready, but like mentally, you know, it's still one of those things where like he just doesn't, it's not a mental thing. I'm not like calling his mental, you know, toughness into question, but Sometimes when you have, uh, you know, uh, an injury like that that's severe, there's a mental thing that, uh, you know, affects you. Like, am I ready to go? Like, if I get hit, am I going to get hurt again, right? And it can kind of, it can, it can really mess with you in a lot of different ways. I think JT Daniels stays healthy this year. Now, this isn't part of the take, but I'm going to kind of allude to it here. And very soon, we're going to be doing a video on West Virginia, but I'll kind of give you a little sneak peek into that. West Virginia and JT Daniels, I think, stay healthy all year because he's got five returning starting offensive linemen last year, and they play in the Big 12, right? Big 12 is not known for pass rushers or front seven, right? They're known for uh, defensive backs, wide receivers, and offensive guys, right? So he's going to a league that should favor him more, and it should be more like a seven-on-seven, seven, right? I'm telling you, West Virginia is a team to watch out for this year. I think they might, and I'm not saying they're going to win a national championship or anything like that, right? Don't get it twisted. But I think they might potentially have an opportunity to compete for the Big 12 this year. I don't think that's out of the norm, right? Uh, let's see here. We've got Miami winning a historically weak ACC. 
I could, I could certainly see it. I could certainly see it, but here's the thing I'm going to say with this, right? Clemson's going to be good this year. Actually, let me let me rephrase that. If you're a Carolina team and you play in the ACC, you have a great shot <laughs> at winning, you know, this year. Think about this, right? You've got Clemson, you've got NC State, you've got Wake Forest, and you got UNC, right? Hate to do disrespectful things to Duke, right? But I, it's I got a hard time seeing Duke coming up in football this year, right? It seems like Duke's always that team that is five years away from being five years away. And that's no disrespect to them. It's just what it always seems like, right? I would say they have to get past the Carolinas. Okay. They, you know, they've got a good quarterback coming back in Tyler Van Dyke. That's a good thing, right? They've got some, you know, from what I've been tracking, you know, they've got some offensive linemen coming back. You know, they've got some key pieces coming back, but here's the reality of the situation. From what I remember from last year, their defense was their weak point. They, they really weren't great at defense, but the good news for them, they graduate most of those guys, right? So with them graduating most of those guys, I could see it. But here's the other side too. Okay, I'm going to throw it back to Clemson for a second. Now that I kind of have given you a little preview into Miami, you know, the other side of this is Clemson. Clemson, to me, they're they're top five team in the country. They're number four, as a matter of fact, right? I don't see, other than the other top three teams, I don't see anybody else beating Clemson this year, right? I understand they had struggles on offense this year. I can tell you this, if they come out of the gate, and they're going to get a good test of this, okay? They are going to get a good test of this this year. If they come out of the gate, and they struggle early on against Georgia Tech, and they some you know somehow I'm not gonna say they're gonna lose that game. I would never pick them to lose a game to Georgia Tech, but if somehow they came out and let's say they went, they won the game twenty one to like ten. That's that's cause for concern, right? And you look at you know Ulele, you know I know that's not his name, but Ungalele, you know you look at DJ's stats, right? And he isn't putting up monstrous stats in that Georgia Tech game. That's cause for concern. And they've got a five-star uh, quarterback right on the roster. Another one that they could go to. And I think his name's uh, Cole Kublinik, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Cole. I think they could turn it over to him. Who was, And this kid, is he's a great athlete, right? He put up. <laughs> he was. A, I think he could have gone like in the first round of the MLB draft too, right? He's a great prospect. Now, they could say, you know what? Look, man. We can't do this. We gotta. We're expected to win, and we gotta keep putting up numbers. We're we're still dominating and recruiting. We can't have it. So we're gonna look to make some adjustments here, right? And that's gonna be the first thing you're gonna see. Now, the other thing with Clemson, yeah, they're breaking out new coordinators. So there's that. But again, it's Clemson. Come on, man. I mean, there's a huge talent gap. I think Mario Cristobal is a couple years away from winning that. That sort of. ACC and he's doing some great things on the recruiting trail, but again, it's really hard to do that. I mean, you go back and you look at Wake Forest, right? And and I kind of just made the case earlier on the segment about Wake Forest offense. I didn't, you know, NC State's going to be a really good offensive team this year. They're bringing back a ton of uh, you know players from last year. You go and look at UNC, and the thing is, UNC they're led by Mac Brown, right? Mac Brown is not one of those guys who is going to let his teams uh, be pushed around, right? Like that's not an easy out. I don't think this is as a horse. I don't think this is historically as weak of an ACC as people think it is, right? I think there's a lot of tough outs, especially in the Carolinas.
Flat Rock Sports presents Cruton Talk. We got another great segment of Cruton Talk for you guys, and that starts right now. All right, guys, first up on the list, I've got Alabama. Now, Alabama did a great job yesterday as they landed the number three running back in the country in Justice Haynes. little side story on this, right? And I'm going to have a little follow-up here in just a second, but a little side story on this. Justice Haynes actually is a UGA legacy. Now, he is the son of former UGA standout Vernon Hayes, right? Who is, man, he's a dog legend, right? But Alabama lands him. He was the number 45 player in the country, and they got a great one in Haynes. Now, that's going to actually bump Bama up to the number 11 class. They went from 12 to 11 there. Now, interestingly enough, keeping it over here in the Peach State, uh, Ohio State signs the number eight tight end, okay, number 131 player in the country, Jelani Thurman. Now, he actually plays right down the road at Fairburn, Georgia. Now, the reason why I kind of did this this way is I wanted to I wanted to make a point of this, right? Georgia is getting dogged right now in recruiting. Now, that's not just me saying that as a Georgia fan, but it's a lot of Georgia fans consensing that, right? And a lot of national media is starting to pick up on that. Well, there's a couple things, right? It's not just that we're a long way away from signing day, but really what it is is we're still – number six in the country right now recruiting. So you can say we're losing, quote unquote, right? But we're not. We're not losing, right? And I'll explain why. Why you would expect Georgia to have a better recruiting class this year is because they're coming off their first national championship in 41 years. And losing these guys, you know, I, I, I'll be honest, the Haynes signing to Bama hurt me more than the uh, Thurman signing to Ohio State because I mean our tight end room is loaded and we've already got uh, a couple of really really talented tight end prospects coming in and they're going to be there for the next couple of years. Georgia and, and I'm not talking about that like in a negative way. I'm just saying we've got like the number one <laughs> tight end in the class coming in, so I, I can't really be upset there. The Haynes really upset me because it's a legacy thing. He's a really talented guy. He could come and be his own guy. I think part of it really played into it. He's kind of like, well, I want to go to Bama. They do a great job at developing their players. It's more of a short thing, quote unquote, right? I think Georgia may be slacking behind a little bit in the NIL department compared to some of these other schools that we're hearing about. I think another big factor in this, right? Another big factor in this is Georgia's lost some of their recruiting pieces, right? You look at a guy in Dan Lanning, right? He's no longer there. He's gone. Now, I'm not saying he would have recruited him, right? That goes to Dale McGee. But you're losing some of these, you know, key recruiting staffers that other SEC schools are poaching, and they're trying to figure out what Georgia's doing to land all these classes. This plays into it, okay? This is the, the big jugular. Now, Kirby is going to get it figured out. All right, he's got to, and he's going to. He's going to get it figured out. There's still a long way away uh, and a lot of time left. With that being said, let's jump over here real quick, see how that rest of the recruiting rankings are shaking out. Ohio State jumps up ahead of Notre Dame to number one on the list. Let's see here. Following uh, number Notre Dame's number two, Penn State is number three, and then we keep going all the way down. We got Clemson at four, Texas at five, Georgia at six, Tennessee at seven, LSU's at number eight. Oklahoma's jumping up. They're at number nine. You've got Miami at 10, still in the top 10 there. Then at number 11, you've got Bama. So again, Bama actually jumped up here and they surpassed Arkansas, right? And then lastly, at number 13, I know it seems like a weird thing to leave off here, but let's do it. Throw them in there. We've got Baylor, right? 
And actually, I'll say this real quick before we get off here. I'll give you an extra one. Cincinnati coming in at number 14, right? Good job on the Bearcats. Flat Rock Sports presents Hunt's Hot Seat. All right, guys, welcome into this segment of Hunt's Hot Seat. On today's segment, what we're going to be talking about is Auburn head coach Brian Harson. Now, Harson is an interesting one here at Auburn as he's only in his second year with the program. He's been there one year, obviously, just like I said. But last year at Auburn, he went six and seven, which in its own right, you know, that's not a terrible record for a first year coach in the SEC. But what exactly went on, right? What what What's going on with him as he transfers over from Boise State, where uh, you know, as a head coach, he's put up an 82 and 31 record, right? So his record overall is not bad, obviously, right? And again, last year wasn't that bad. I mean, look at Steve Sarkeesian at Texas, right? He put up a five and uh, five and seven record last year, right? Well, the problem is with a team like Auburn is their expectations, right? They have two expectations. Number one, you got to beat Alabama, right? <laughs> It is as impossible of, of a task as that may be. You got to beat Bama. Number two, you got to win. Uh, you know, you got to at least be competitive, you know, in the SEC. You know, you got to at least try to beat Georgia or do something like that, right? And they really weren't able to accomplish that last year, right? Now, this is a team that, again, they're trying to transition away from their former coach, Gus Malzahn, right? Who he almost won a national championship there at Auburn, you know, and he beat Bama a couple times, right? They've, they've done some, you know, they've done some great things. But I think when you look at how this Auburn team is built and how they look right now, uh, it looks kind of similar. You know, I think it's a very lateral move, the hiring of Brian Harson in comparison. Let's take a look at this here, right? The boosters tried to come after him in the off season. They tried to sort of do investigations. They tried to throw a lot of different stuff out there at him. And it really just didn't seem like it worked, right? It seemed like a lot of the, the higher-ups at Auburn were kind of buying into this. They weren't able to find anything, and so it just kind of fizzled out. And now they're stuck in this awkward situation where he's still your coach for another year. Let's look at some of the things that, you know, you could say as highlights of last year, right? They barely lost to Alabama last year. Okay, they barely lost. They should have won that game, honestly, but it was... Eh. You know, they didn't. And then they lost to Houston in the bowl game, right? So here's the reality of all this, right? This reminds me, again, this is why I say it's a very lateral move from Gus Malzahn over to someone like Brian Harson. It's a lateral move because doesn't that sound like what was going on there with Gus Malzahn? They were almost beating Bama or they have some magical play that beats Bama and then they'll lose to a UCF or somebody like that. Have you right in a bowl game? Well, they lost to Houston in the bowl game, right? The, the thing is, and we'll get into this here in just a second. They've got to be able, they've got to be able to play up the competition. You know, you can't go out there and, you know, for example, when Malzahn was there, you can't go out there and barely beat Georgia you know, or beat Georgia and then beat Alabama, right? And then lose to UCF. Like, what is that? You know, you you lost or you beat the two teams that went to the national championship that year, right? And then the same thing this year, right? You barely lose to Alabama, who went on to beat the national champion and then lose to the national champion, right? And, and within inside of a month, and it's like, and then you 
lose to Houston. Like, come on now. Like I know in Houston, I'm not trying to knock Houston, right? Houston's got a good program, but that's part of the stuff that starts eating away at you as a coach and your credibility. And that's ultimately what got Gus Malzahn clipped there, right? Now they do have, interestingly enough, they're going to have Zach Calzada come in this year, who is a Texas A&M quarterback. And he has some experience at beating Alabama, right? So Auburn fans probably love that. And you go back and you watch that game from last year. I mean, the kid did... He had, a, he had a great game, right? You know, all the recipes to beat Bama and is really simple on paper is you got to play defense. You have to have a good game for your quarterback. You have to limit turnovers and you got to put up about 40 points. You know, you got to get after their quarterback, force them to do some things they don't want to do, play great coverage in the back end and go put 40 points on the board. And I think, like I said, <laughs> Auburn was that Calzada. To me, they're making these lateral moves, right? Calzada, to me, he's a you know, maybe a slightly younger version of Bo Nix. I know Auburn fans are going to hear that and be like, oh. you know, but again, it's trading nickels for nickels here, right? So how's he done in the recruiting trail? Well, right now, okay, he's ha he has them ranked number 70th in the country. Vandy is ahead of them. So it's not looking good right now. Now that we've got a long way to go before, you know, pledges start signing you know, name to paper, but again, Harson's going to have to come up with something and something fast, right? Because last year he actually finished with the 21st recruiting class and in the SEC, I mean, you, the top 15 is pretty much half the SEC, right? You, you're going to have to start sneaking up and getting ahead of some of these other teams in there, right? Now I'm going to rate him on the hot seat here. I'm going to put him right at a solid seven because he's only been there for a year, but the expectations are still there for him to win. Uh, you know, listen, here's my recommendation for him. I think my recommendation is they keep him, right? I mean, who else are you going to go out and get? I mean, all the big name coaches that, you know, have proven themselves at this league or at this level are probably not sitting out there like, yeah, you know, I'm ready to go. So there's really only a couple of people you'd want to go out there and get. Um, but he has to do a better job at recruiting, right? If they're going to keep him, he's going to have to do a better job at recruiting. He's going to have to keep up with the rest of the SEC, right? Is There's a lot of reshuffling going on. We've talked about this in past podcasts where we think maybe Nick Saban is looking to, you know, potentially step down with all the control going back to players down the road in a couple of years. If he can just hold on, right? If he can weather the storm here, he can possibly... All right, he can possibly be in a really good spot in a couple of years down the road. Now, Auburn fans may not want to wait a couple of years to get back into relevancy, but it's just part of it, right? I mean, think about this. You've got Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin. They're weathering the storm over there, right? You've got Tennessee with uh, Josh Heupel, right? They're, they're doing pretty good in the second year. So there's a lot of stuff kind of going on. you got Jimbo Fisher at A&M who's getting ready to run things. you still got Georgia and Alabama that are still competitive. It is a very, very top-heavy SEC, and it's going to be very interesting, like I said, to see how all this shakes out. But let's also look at this, right? You know, again, he needs to do a better job. I kind of alluded to this at the beginning, right? He needs to do a better job at keeping the focus on the program, right? Keeping the focus on who we're playing. It doesn't matter whether we're playing Alabama or we're playing Houston, UCF, whoever, right? Georgia State, we need to come to play. You know, that Florida and some of these other SEC teams, man, they've gotten they've gotten sort of duped like that. They've been in some shootouts with these teams. They should be blowing out of the water. Right? They they should be absolutely manhandling teams like UCF and Houston because that's again, that's what got Gus Malzahn fired. 
you know, we talk about this, right? It's a time thing. Does he, is he going to be given enough time to really reset this program and get it the direction he wants to get it and do what he needs to do? I don't know. But speaking about time, that's going to actually wrap it up for us today on the Flat Rock Sports Podcast, your source for daily college football content. As always, I'm your host, Christian Hunt, and we'll catch you next time.